1: daily face-off podcast comes courtesy of the nation network here's your host brock segan
2: with dylan d berthium and michael beebs Bondi.
0: welcome ladies and gentlemen to season nine episode 24 of the dfo fantasy podcast i am your fill-in host for the night beebs Bondi, and i'm here with uh, everyone's favorite co-host d Dylan D Berthium, Dylan, how you doing over there? We have, uh, we would have Brock, but uh, he's facing some technical issues right now after uh, recently becoming a dad. So he's uh, he's facing a lot right now. So it's just me and D. But uh, D, we're gonna hold down the fort. How you doing?
2: Happy to be here, man. It's uh, you know apparently uh, it's not a given that we're able to do this uh, on, a, on a on a weeknight. So uh, yeah. just glad that the tech gods have uh, allowed me to be here today.
0: Yeah, um yeah, we ran into some issues yesterday as well. So we're doing a Thursday episode for everyone today. Luckily, the NHL schedule kind of blessed us a bit and uh decided to go easy. Um we only had eight games tonight when it's usually like a 12 or a 13er on a Thursday. But uh Brock might jump in randomly with us throughout here if he does consider that a bonus. If he doesn't, you're getting uh, you're getting a whole lot of us and uh and that could be good. But we're gonna do a pretty simple episode here today. We're gonna do just basic pickups, 25 to 40 percent. Um, Those are the ones that should kind of be kicking in any league. That's about 10 to 12 teams for you. We're going to go a little bit deeper and we're going to focus on some below 25% uh, candidates as well as we're going to look at everyone's favorite section, the buy low section, because we're at that point where you can definitely start seeing some trends. Definitely start telling you who to grab or who to try to grab. And then with that, we have the opposing um, sell high candidates that we're going to throw out to you also either way brock is going to pop in and throw his candidates in so you will get all three of our opinions here um but yeah so um we will start with the 25 to 40 percent range free agents and d i'm going to let you go because this is the most i've ever talked and people are probably like wow where is the next episode button so, D, who do you got at 25
2: to 40? Take a breath, my guy. Um, yeah. yeah, we're going to talk about a friend of the show here, Mr. Jason John Paterka, JJ Paterka on the Buffalo Sabres, 36% <laughs> owned still. It's uh, climbed up a ton in recent weeks. On uh, He's been on a bit of a tear, uh, but still widely available, to your point. So, Paterka has got a lot of love on the streaming segment already this season. I know Brock gives him a ton of love on the DFS show as a value play, even going back to last season. Uh, and now he's finally pushed himself into a mainstream fantasy option we always knew he had the potential the shot volume is always pretty impressive considering the low usage he really just needed the minutes and the opportunity to prove himself and he's finally getting that chance averaging 17 minutes of ice time in his last 23 games and he's all he's done with that is fire 70 shots on goal scored 10 goals and add in 10 assists for 20 points across those 23 games so that you know this isn't a little small sample we're talking about here a uh, quarter of a season and then some that he has just been on a tear. So as I mentioned, the chances and the goals they're hard earned. He's averaging over three shots a game in that stretch. There are really no red flags in his underlying numbers. Shooting a very sustainable fourteen percent on the year, and his on ice shooting percentage well within reason at nine point eight percent. Casey Middlestad has evolved his game enough to a point where I think you can feel comfortable whether Paterka is lined up on his wing. Uh, obviously, has the possibility of moving up the lineup with Tage Thompson, uh, which would be exciting, or potentially just getting some uh, power or time down the line with the pop power play unit. Uh, really just adds to that upside. So even you know Dylan Cousins, who is enduring a bit of a sophomore slump, could potentially move back up the lineup to play with Paterka. The two of them were super effective at 5v5 together last season. So the point being, Paterka has established himself as a major player for the Sabres this season, and the usage isn't going anywhere. They're a lot deeper down the middle than I think most people give them credit for. And because of that, I think you can feel good about opening up a long-term roster spot for Paterka and playing him every single night, regardless of who he's lined up against. Truly, I think he's in the midst of a breakout season, still just 21 years old. So I think there's no doubt the best is yet to come. Really exciting player for the Buffalo Sabres.
0: Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I'm. I'm kind of mind blown that he's this low, especially with how many keeper leagues people are in. At at 21 years old, we thought kind of like you mentioned, Dylan Cousins would be the guy in Buffalo this year, um, the guy to break out to take that next step forward. And it, it's Ben Paterka. And as you mentioned, you know things haven't necessarily gone as planned in Buffalo. Tage Thompson hasn't had that start of the season. He obviously had the injury. Um, we've seen Alex Tuck's numbers go down a little bit. We've seen just everyone's kind of numbers go down from what we expected a jump except for Paterka. So um, if you're in any league, I know I absolutely love this kid as well. And I'm jumping at the bit for him and can't believe that I'm in three leagues that are in the 67% that that own or that doesn't anyways, he is owned in my leagues and I am pissed. Um, But one player who wasn't owned in one of them that I managed to snag right before in the 25 to 40 range currently on the IR. So that just is great. Um, But JT confer out in Detroit, Fully skated today in practice could have probably played tonight if, uh, if they needed him to, but he will, he sat, he should be back this weekend is currently 28% owned. He has right wing and left wing eligibility. He is just a few games away from also getting center. So he can fill all three of your slots. He's got six goals, 13 assists for 19 points in 24 games so far. One thing that scares me, JT Confer only has 31 shots on goal in 24 games. I would rarely, rarely ever suggest someone who shoots this little on this show, especially in this kind of a juicy category. But Confer is just a different product this year for me. And we've seen some really positive signs in the last little bit that make me believe that he's a lot more than a 31 shot in 24 game guy. Um, In fact, Confer, as of late um, in, in the last four games, he has 11 shots while playing averaging 1852 time on ice. Uh, those are the kind of things that just you can't you can't have a one shot a game when you're playing that much ice. Um he as much as I mentioned that he might be hurt, it really only seems like a maintenance injury, so it's kind of weird. They've they've been a little different about it. But when he does return, so does Dylan Larkin and who they also thankfully uh, brought out today and said should be back next week. Um when those both return, Patrick Kane is now in the lineup at Detroit. It's something that could definitely help jt confer who's a pass first guy and he's proving that he can he can take a lot more of the load than i think maybe they a lot of us expected obviously detroit gave him that big five and a half million dollar contract during the off season and he's proven well for them he's on pace for 65 points this year even with those low shot totals for 65 points um across an 82 game span that would be 20 goals and 45 assists if i can get that out of anyone on a roster in a 12 team 10 team league i'm gonna be pretty excited about that and that's his current pace as I mentioned without Patty Kane without another top six forward Robbie Fabri, who's just been kind of a god as of late the guy's scoring his beautiful goals he's scoring every other game and he's healthy um, and with that Detroit has a nice top six and one that I'm willing to kind of take a chance on here if it doesn't work out throw comfort back out to the wolves but he's an close to a near point per game pace and I do love that knowing that he's also proven lately that he can play those 20 plus minutes a night he was on a new team as we all know at the beginning of the year took him a bit to get going clearly took him a bit to get shooting as he only had 20 shots in his first 20 games but now he looks a little bit more comfortable if he can come back healthy Larkin comes back healthy I really like what we have here with uh, JT Comfort, and I would love to add him again you're going to get high level of assists goals might not be there but um, at that point you're okay with 45 to 50 assists from a guy that you grabbed 25 games in this season and can fill all positions. So just makes a really good feeling. Plus this guy hasn't been a minus plus minus in five years, including this year with Detroit. So um, that's something where he shouldn't really hurt you in other categories. You love to see 20 minutes of ice, a, a game from a forward; It usually equals some pretty good things. And he's also likely to line up on the power play, which uh, is somewhere where he he, he can excel would potentially be down the middle, which we've seen those kickback assists from centers. A lot of good things for coffee here. Um, I like him at this spot, but um, as mentioned, we are going to have Brock pop in with his 25 to 40%. And uh, Brock, who do you have for us?
3: I've got honors Lee of the New York Islanders, left winger, 35% own. Lee had an outrageously slow start to the season posting just one goal and one assist in his first 15 games he's been much better as of late though and it coincides with his bump up to the top line with Matthew Barzell and Bo Horvat Lee has picked up seven points five goals two assists in his last 11 games while averaging an impressive 3.0 shots per game most importantly though that line has been one of the very best in the NHL since he was promoted they are averaging an absurd 4.3 expected goals for per 60 42 scoring chances and 20 high danger chances for per 60 so they have been absolutely on fire and lee should stay hot while he's on that line don't forget this is a former 40 goal scorer and a 25 plus goal score six times in his career just 32 years of age I don't think that Lee is quite over the hill yet and while New York one is sizzling hot I like Anders Lee at 35% owned
0: thank you Brock and now we're going to jump down to the guys that might you might have to search for in your deeper leagues Um, or maybe you like these guys a little bit more than the ones we just suggested either way these are your 25% and below fellas um, and there's still some juicy names here, but D who do you have at 25 and below? Cause you, I know, you, I know you have a friend of the show and I love to hear the guy's name. So, so give it to us.
2: Yeah. I'm going back to the well here with Matias Michelli. Um, you know, I'm probably going to repeat myself a little bit cause we've talked about him a few times this season. Uh, he showed us last year, how good of a playmaker he can be, uh, just 9% owned. Sorry for, for the Arizona coyotes. Uh, but yeah, 38 assists and 64 games last year. The issue was always the shot volume and the subsequent lack of goal production he registered just 61 shots on goal in those 64 games sort of joked on the podcast earlier in the year that there were some reports at a training camp that he wanted to shoot the puck more this season which was funny because it would have been hard to shoot the puck any less than he did last year but it is finally coming to fruition uh certainly been a change in approach for michelle this year and he looks a lot more confident firing the biscuit and it's coincided with a bump in ice time as well so over his last 12 games he's registered 33 shots on goal Uh, which is over half the total he registered last year if you're following along, just under three per game while playing over 18 minutes a night. He's picked up three goals and seven assists in that span. And I really do believe that's going to be the floor for Macelli moving forward this year. He's shooting just 9% over that stretch and 8.6% on the season after shooting 18% a season ago. So there should be more coming in terms of goals uh, his way the rest of the way. And I do expect him to flirt with a point per game from here on out. I I think he's that talented. He's getting the minutes. And like I said, he's firing the puck on net now as well. So we know the assists are going to be there. He's got 16 and 28 games on the season. It would be great to see him sneak onto that top line with either Keller or Schmaltz at some point, Uh, but he's formed some undeniable chemistry with Nick. Bustad and Lawson Krause at 5v5 they're creating a ton of chances over 35 scoring chances and 17 high danger chances per 60 which is just elite numbers Uh, and as I mentioned their ice time only continues to rise I think it should be pretty easy for him to take over a spot on the first power play unit as well at some point this year for either Alex Kerfoot or Logan Cooley um, which of course would only further increase his upside currently skating with the second powerful unit. So still just 23 years old. I think the Michelli breakout is finally here and it could very well be your last chance to grab him for free off the waiver wire. So yeah, I'm looking at him in all formats, not just deep leagues. He's still just 9% owned going up each and every day. Uh, and someone who, like I said, should just continue to uh, keep up the current tear that he's on right now.
0: I completely agree. And I think one common theme that we're kind of seeing here is just upside is so key here, uh, especially when you're doing these moves halfway through the year. Um, and especially, I mean, these brought out two guys who have a combined age of, you know, not even younger. So um, it's uh, it's definitely somewhere where you can succeed and, you know, going forward throughout the year. um That's what you're looking for. We're definitely looking for upside. And that's where I'm going to come in flying with some defensive upside. Because a lot of times when we focus on these pickups, it's usually forwards, guys who are trending quite well. um, But we never really look at the defense. And as we mentioned a few episodes ago, D has been pretty abysmal this year um, in fantasy. Not D in this episode. Um, Literal defense has just been a struggle. Um, You're either top heavy or you have really nothing at all. And so I wanted to kind of look at a guy out in Philadelphia who is trending very high upwards, and that's Cam York, currently at 7% owned. He has four goals, seven assists for 11 points in 28 games. You might scoff at those numbers, but currently and recently jumped and plugged into power play one and line one. He has 44 shots on goal in those 28 games. That would give him about 130 across 82, which is not bad for a D man. As I mentioned, um, you're kind of, he's been, so you want to you want to get ahead of things that are going to happen here. We saw a lot of people succeed with Travis Sanheim in their lineup in the first 25 games here, but uh Sanheim season is over, I'm sorry to say. We are on a Cam York season. Um Sanheim was was the power play one quarterback and York is the D-man of the future um, at only I believe 22. It is he had 7 points in his last 11 games, this is where I really get excited about Cam York. Um, again, trending positively upwards. 7 points in 11 games would Equal 52 across an 82 game season. If you can get about 50 points from a D man that you're getting at this point of the year and who's only 7% owned, you are going to jump for joy. He played 24, 24 last night. That shows that towards truly has the confidence in him, which is something that we've seen go the opposite way for a lot of guys. And it shows if he's getting close to 25 minutes, he is their guy. Um, and that's, that's phenomenal for fantasy numbers. As mentioned, power play one line one. you're rarely going to get that out of a defenseman on an actually decent power play and an actually decent offensive team we're talking about travis connecting out there sean couturier who's a phenomenal two-way player just a lot of decent pieces and i think york is someone who you can snag um who help you out on the back end but i also wanted to look really quickly at another flyer player while we're there and at the five and six percent area and it's tyson Forrester out in um out in Philly as well at 6%. Oh, and this guy has six points in his last seven games played. He has 18 shots on goal. We love seeing trends like this. High shots. uh, I mean, leads to high production. But also 18-plus time on ice in every game but two of those seven. He's playing on line one with Sean Couturier and Travis connecting who I just said are pretty solid players. He's also power play one with Cam York. So I think these are two guys that you can sneak off a pretty decent team. Tyson Forrester at 21 years old has been very strong throughout every league he's played. And he had 48 points in 66 games in the HL last year. Um, he only has 11 and 27 this year, but as mentioned six in his last seven, um, he is clearly one of their forwards of the future. And he seems to be locked in, in that top six and again on towards his good side. Um, so I like looking at either these two guys, if you need a forward, or if you need a D man, both guys out in Philly are the future and they are guys that I think you need to look into, um, if you're looking to pick up some, uh, some bottom of the barrel players.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I think, uh, you know, Sanheim and York, they're clearly leaning on, uh, leaning on both of them a ton at five V five, you know, Sanheim, uh, I still think is pretty valuable. Even on that second pair, he's on a bit of a, uh, warming back up. I think he's got points in four straight. Uh, but to your point, you know, a uh, much higher own percentage. So Cam York definitely uh, a more reasonable target in keeper leagues. And yeah, Forrester has really locked up his position on that top line. He's, they've played uh, almost 130 minutes together. So it's not like this is just some short-term trend. Uh, and they're really owning the puck at 5v5. I mean, playing with Sean Couturier will do that for you. Obviously Travis Konechny, uh, great at getting the puck on net as well. So which is leading to, uh, a ton of chances. I mean, they got 79 shot attempts per 60, which is off the charts. Um, 32 scoring chances, 16 high danger chances per 60. So the offense is going to continue to come there. If they can figure out the power play at all in Philadelphia, which I think is a bit of an ask, just considering the lack of the high end offensive talent on the team outside of probably the likes of connectney Um, it so like I said, if they can move that up a little bit, I think they're at about 11% on the air. Obviously we'll raise these guys upside even more, but I think, yeah, they're great targets in deeper leagues and should offer a pretty steady floor moving forward, both York and Forrester just given the usage. Uh, we could throw it over to Brock now and see who he's looking at in deeper leagues.
3: Give me Gabe Velarde, center left wing eligible for the Winnipeg Jets at just 15% owned. Velarde is someone that I've been talking about since the preseason. And I believe if we, if we rewind the tape, I actually said that he's going to have a better fantasy season than Pierre-Luc Dubois. At least I wouldn't be surprised. And here we are. Um, injuries have kind of halted his breakout for a bit but he's back now and he had a four point night in his return to los angeles on wednesday and with Kyle Connor out long-term, Velarde has been skating on the top line with Mark Shifley and Nikolai Ehlers at 5v5. He's also been on the top power play unit. And in his last three games, he's averaged 19 and a half minutes per game while recording three shots on goal in each game. If you give him that kind of ice time with those line mates, he's going to continue to rack up goals and points. And I think Gabe Velarde is someone that can have an absolutely monstrous second half for the Winnipeg Jets.
0: Now that we've looked at some of the guys that you can get off your free agency, why don't we look at some more higher owned players who you may have to make a trade for, but the ones that you are going to want to buy low on, and there are quite a few this year. We have a good list of underperformers and, uh, and I think all three of us have some pretty juicy names here. So we are going to go back to DD. Who are you looking to buy low on? Who are you leaving this podcast and just chucking trades out to right away? Um, trying to get, cause I know that's what I'll be doing. So
2: well, I already yeah. got him in a couple of leagues, so I, more standing pat in those leagues. But yeah, definitely <laughs> trying to make a run uh, in my other leagues. And that's Tyler Toffoli. I was really high on Toffoli coming into the season. I think I was the only one out of us who had him in the top ten uh, for the right wing position. Um, and I just thought he, you know, really had a, a breakout season last year. That was more the result of him just finally getting the ice time that he deserves as much as anything else, and moved into even a better situation this year. And that hasn't changed. There's really not a whole lot of depth to this selection in terms of picking to Foley as a buy low. I really didn't think that we were going to get to have this conversation after the hot start that he had, uh, but he's on a bit of a cold streak and now is definitely the time to, to buy low. Cause like I said, it's probably not going to happen again given the usage and his shot production and the opportunity that he finds himself in. He's a great player with a knack of getting the puck on net playing in a fantastic situation uh, that really is just on an unfathomable cold streak. He's like I said, it was off to a red hot start to the season. He's gone pointless in his last six games. Now, Uh, despite the fact that the Devils have been scoring a lot of goals and his line has been scoring a lot of goals over that stretch. So I really do think that this is the only time all season that we're going to get a chance to acquire him for below market value. Uh, I think it's kind of this cold streak has gone on long enough that maybe some of the, Uh, Less experienced owners might have just seen that hot start as kind of a flash in the pan, but he is still glued to the hip of Jack Hughes at 5v5 right now, which obviously is one of the best places that you can find yourself in fantasy hockey. Shouldn't have to tell you that the two of them dominate their opponents at even strength, and they usually have a pretty strong running mate with them as well, given the depth of the Devils' top six. Andre Palat's really the only member of that top six who doesn't really get your mouth watering, and he tends to find himself playing more with Nico uh, Nico Heesher than Jack Hughes and Toffoli. So right now it's Timo Meyer. On that third spot on the top line, they've spent a good chunk of of time together this season. uh, And they've also played a bunch with Jesper Bratt as well. So uh, like I said, you can't go wrong with either of those third editions and cannot beat Jack Hughes as your centerman uh and of course yeah playing alongside hughes and the rest of new jersey's big boys on the top power play unit as well he was on pace to build on his 73 point campaign from a year ago and was enjoying his most productive season to date prior to this little cold streak so i promise he was going to be back to that level of production sooner than later the devils are off until saturday as well which is nice because a lot of times when we talk about some bilo candidates uh they tend to go off for hat-trick in, <laughs> in the middle of the episode so you got a couple of days here to try and get a deal done before to even gets a chance to remind his owners of how good he can be. So I project him to be right around a point per game from uh, moving forward with a ton of goals as well. I'd expect that to be pretty evenly split between goals and assists. So yeah, someone who, like I said, I didn't think we'd get a chance to talk about him on a by-low segment this year after the hot start he's on, Uh, but a six-game point in the streak, that'll frustrate any manager. Uh, So definitely the time to try and jump the gun on Toffoli.
0: Yeah, as we preach with a lot of these trades and just fantasy sports in general, it's all about recency bias. And I think, as you mentioned, DeFoli's is a perfect candidate for that, because if you can have someone who pulls up that last 10 games or that last whatever it's showing on your app or whatever platform you use, and they see a bunch of donuts, they're going to they're going to laugh and be like, oh, sick, what can I get? Because they're probably thinking about dropping that guy because, you know, it's the classic thing to do. It's panic Mm -hmm. mode. So I love shooting for guys like that. Um, I am going to I'm going to shoot for the stars and actually laughed because earlier I remembered when we did this last year I told people to go for Kale McCarr um, which was pretty bold and it kind of reminded me of today's decision because at the time Kale McCarr was it was the only time you could ever actually get him Um, because he just went crazy from there on out and that was kind of my suggestion today I'm going to focus on Jason Robertson realistically the same idea we're talking superstars here. Um, and RoboCop out in Dallas, he's been struggling this year for what people expected. A lot of people use their first overall pick on this guy, um, after, you know, 87 goals in the last two seasons, but, uh, he has been struggling to say the least this year. Kind of surprised me. Nine goals, 17 assists for 26 points in 27 games for RoboCop. What really threw me off was only 67 shots on goal during that time. This is a guy who's produced over 300 in a year quite easily Um, and he is not on pace for that at all currently on pace for only 203 shots Um, we rarely own guys who get 203 shots on our team and only 27 goals so this is where guys I want you to jump all over this player because you need to go after the people who don't know what he is truly capable of we're talking about one of the most elite scorers in the NHL here in his last 14 games unfortunately it's kind of the opposite of Toffoli he's been heating up but not heating up to his true potential. But his last 14 games, we have six goals, 10 assists for Jason Robertson, 35 shots on goal, which is much, much better. And is shooting 17.1%, which is just Jason Robertson. That's classic Jason Robertson. And uh, I think that's what we're going to get across a full 82 game season. We're only about the 25 game mark and uh, things tend to come out in the wash in the last three games. Or sorry, the last three seasons, he is eighth in the NHL in goals with 96. Yeah, and that includes this year. So this year, which has just not been good in the last two, he is eighth in the NHL, 13th in points, and 21st in the NHL in shots on goal. That is almost top 20 in three elite, elite fantasy categories. And if you can trade, realistically, any of the players we're going to talk about in the, side hell, or in the, in the sell high. Um, wow, that came out weird. Um, <laughs> if, if, if you can deal any of those players, for someone like Jason Robertson, you're going to enjoy the rest of the year uh, a lot more than you would with the players that you would have had and i think that there are a lot of people who would look at someone who's had a really hot start someone who might be at a point per game with a few more goals and say you know what i want that goal scoring upside of that other player meanwhile they don't know that jason robertson is an absolute force in the nhl and loves to score goals as i mentioned with the kale mccarthy just last year there is going to be a time when you can't even think about trading for this guy unless you want to offer a top end player on your team or someone that you did actually draft in the first round. But I think this is the point where you could draft or you could trade realistically anyone. um, If you can convince the right person um, who's close to a point per game for Jason Robertson, it's going to be hard, maybe even throw in two people or one of your lesser goalies. But I definitely think that there's going to be a few owners who are pretty stiff about what J Rob's done to them to start the year. And those are the guys you got to attack. But you might run into some owners who are just very smart and don't want to move them. And if that's the case, look out for those guys because they know what they're doing.
2: Yeah. And I, I I'm totally with you. I, I think, you know, they haven't created quite as many chances, him no. and said at five v five as they have in years past. And obviously you just love betting on the talent and a guy like Robertson. And the nice thing is they're a lot deeper down the middle than they have been the last few years. And there's other options there. We're seeing a bit of a change in the guard with guys like, Wyatt Johnston and Mason Marchmont really stepping up for them this season. And then Duchesne and Sagan having a bit of a renaissance as well. So a lot more options down the middle. And, you know, I'm kind of surprised that it's taken this long for them to still leave that top trio together obviously the other lines have been clicking and i'm sure that's a big part of it but yeah i would expect before too long they maybe look to get away from the likes of robertson hints pavelski which could open up some additional opportunities for robo as well and yeah you just love to bet on the shot volume to bounce back given oh, yeah. uh, his track record of just firing the biscuit on goal so uh yeah i mean i i don't think you can go wrong with targeting a player of jason robertson's value and to to your point i think someone who did take him at the back half of the first round or early second round it's going to be pretty disappointed with just nine goals on the season to date especially Uh, if their first pick hasn't hit like they're going to be in panic mode yeah and there's a he's not alone in in terms of first rounder that's really not living up to expectations Brock is going to touch on another one for us here
3: I think one of the most obvious buy low candidates at the moment is Matt Kachuk from the Florida Panthers no one has underperformed more versus expectation than Kachuk this season who's 7.7 goals scored below expected is the worst mark in the entire NHL right now. He is in this spot because he is shooting a laughable 4.7%. He's averaged 13.2% in his first 510 games throughout his career. So pretty good sample size of a guy who's shooting 13% throughout his career. His on-ice scoring chances for 36.8 and high danger chances for 15.9 are both still top 15 in the NHL. So when he's on the ice the Panthers are producing scoring chances, and if he continues at those rates, which there's no reason to think he won't, he's going to start scoring because that 4.7 shooting percentage is going to increase, but the on-ice shooting percentage under 10% is also going to rise um, if they continue to average 36 scoring chances at 50 and 15 high-danger chances while he's on the ice. So I expect both the goals and assists to normalize a little bit here in the second half for Matt Kachuk, and you can probably get him for pennies on the dollar compared to where he was going in the the preseason in the draft process. So, absolutely buying low on Matt Kachuk right now.
0: So, with those beauties that you should act absolutely attack, we also want to suggest some guys that you should maybe just give away um, and try to maybe trade for some of those names that we just dropped or some like players. But we are going to give you some juicy sell highs now. D, you're out there, you're on the market. Who are you trying to sell high at their highest value right now? We can do this.
2: This is a pretty obvious one, but I, I think it just fits in perfectly to kind of the point that, you know, we've been making Foley, obviously not on the same tier as a guy like Robertson or Matthew Kachuk. But uh, I do think Brock Besser is a guy that you could uh, use as a key piece in acquiring any of those guys and, and you know, get Toffoli plus back if that's the route you want to go. But Brock brought up Besser uh, and a couple other Canucks on the sell high segment earlier in the season. Uh, which I didn't disagree with it just in terms of the way that they had put that production up to date. Uh, But I did express a little bit of caution because while I, you know, obviously agree that that level of production and the way they were achieving it was unsustainable. It really did seem like this team had just reached a whole nother level offensively this year. I think Quinn Hughes is the driving force behind that. Uh, And there were reports Besser was dealing with some nagging injuries over the last couple of seasons that he's finally uh, got rid of. So um, that's why, like I said, express a little bit of caution then. However, I do think the time is right at this point. Uh, to really look at shopping Besser around. I think with how long his hot streak has gone on and with him flirting for the lead league and goals, almost three months into the season, you can finally get a really good haul in return for Besser. I think, uh, like I said, lesser experienced players are going to look at this as you know a true breakout for Besser as opposed to maybe him, like I said, maybe being a little bit fortunate with the players around him. And obviously, really capitalizing on the chances he has had so i completely agree that the current level of production it's just unsustainable moving forward he's playing almost 19 minutes a night this year which is great but the shot volume still leaves a little bit to be desired just 77 shots in 29 games certainly nothing to scoff at but anytime you're flirting for the league leading goals uh while shooting less than three times a game it's going to register as a bit of a red flag for me of course you know the main reason bester has been able to score 21 times in those 27 games is the 27 percent shooting percentage Maybe his teammate Andre Kuzmenko would argue uh, that that's sustainable over the course of a full year, but Kuzmenko only shot the puck 140 times last year, best year. Uh, is on pace for way more than that so the number is going to come down he's just not going to be able to keep that up moving forward at the very least you shouldn't bet on it moving forward you should look to move him for a much more sure thing like a robertson or a kachuk and it's not outlandish to think that you could get one of those guys in a one-for-one right now the on-eye shooting percentage is through the roof as well at over 17 percent. obviously his personal shooting percentage is a big part of that uh, but even with that inflated on ice shooting percentage he's still barely able to maintain uh, half an assist per game uh, so I do think you need to be careful because, like I said, he's going to be a productive player moving forward this season. But there's no doubt he looks a lot better than years past. Um, and like I said, the surrounding cast has taken a major step forward. But I do think if you can get someone who views him in your fantasy league as the 99 player, that 99 point player that he's currently on pace to be, then I really would not hesitate at all to pull the trigger. I think you can try to build a trade around Brester for, like I said, one of those higher end buy low targets that Brock and Beebs mentioned, or you can go after a guy like To as the start of a building block for a trade. Like I think it's pretty realistic to use Besser to get someone like tofoley who should at worst give you similar production moving forward, if not outright be more productive while also improving another potential area of weakness on your team. I don't think sending an offer like Besser for someone like tofoley and a top 20 blue liner or a fringe, or a fringe top 10 netminder is an unreasonable ask at all given uh, just this incredible start that Besser has gotten off to. Um, I think you can easily get that sort of deal done right now if you target the right fantasy team. The key when you're doing that sort of thing is always to look at, the fantasy teams in your league that have depth in the areas you're looking to improve. Cause obviously those are going to be the teams that are more likely to part, uh, like I said, with a number two defenseman or a number one goaltender. So hopefully, um, you can sell high on a bit of fool's gold here. And what appears to be uh, really high end production from Besser. When Like I said, the floor just seems like it's going to be falling out sooner than later. So, uh, you know, we've seen guys sustain a shooting percentage of like 25% over the course of a season, but it's just so rare that you really don't want to bank on it. And if you can cash out on Besser right now, who was, really a, a pick at the bottom of your draft that you would have gotten and potentially get like I said a first round talent or uh, like I said a bit of a package deal and get someone like Toffoli who I think will have similar production moving forward uh, and then pad another area as well in a bit of a two-for-one trade I, I think it's a great move and it's a really good time to look at moving Brock Besser
0: yeah I think we'd all probably agree if you could get any of the players that all three of us suggested in the segment before for Brock Besser. We would likely do it. I know personally I would. I think D, you're right there with me. Um and that's very realistic, I think, especially with newer players or just people who maybe focus a little bit more on goals something like that. Um, but no, Brock Besser is an absolute, sell. I know I would not want any part of him right now and kind of hilarious. Didn't we go through this last year with Bo Horvat? Why, why, what's Vancouver giving us, you know, they're like, Hey, I'm going to be a random dude. He's going to score 20 goals in the first 25 games. He'll score 10 more all year.
2: And I think, like I said, the fact that that whole team has really just been on a massive heater to start the year gives it a little bit more credence to someone who's not looking quite as closely at the numbers, but like you're not going to you're not going to get laughed out of the room for sending someone Besser for Robertson right now he scored no. 12 more goals than him right yeah. the trucks shooting 4% on the year like so yeah. there's there's a like i said it's it's not an unreasonable ask and i i think it's worth at least trying cuz like i said maybe Besser does just have one of the hottest seasons of all time and he just continues to shoot around 25% you're not going to kick yourself at the end of the year for cashing in on him 25 games in uh, and turning him into a first round talent
0: yeah, that's an oh darn if it does happen and you're still getting something. It's not like you're getting trash and it's exactly not work. there's
2: really like there's no there's no way to lose there. Whereas obviously otherwise Besser could just fall right back down to earth. Who you got for yeah. us, though, Beads?
0: But no, if we're gonna talk about a 12 goal difference between um Jason Robertson and uh and Brock Besser, I gotta mention somebody who basically just averages 12 goals a year, but it's on fire this year, and it's William Carlson out in Vegas. That's the wild bull. This guy only has 72 shots in 30 games, but it's led to some pretty decent production. 13 goals, 15 assists for 28 points in 30 games played. He's a plus 11. Um, But again, only 17 or 72 shots on goal. He's on pace for his best season since his 78 point breakout season with Vegas in 2017-18. This year he's on pace for 35 and a half goals, 41 assists. 76 and a half points in 82 games, but that would be well getting only 196 shots. Um, That's something that does not happen. We re- again, unless you're Kuzmenko, um, but we rarely see someone put up 30 to mid thirties production off less than 200 shots on goal. He is shooting an insane 18.1%. It's one of the glaring indicators. We always attack on a sell high. Um, but at 18.1%, if you take his last two years shooting percentages, You slam them together. He's not even at 18.1%. That's 10% more than he shot last year. Um, He's not playing more minutes than he has in previous seasons. And uh, he's never actually once had more than 200 shots in a season. That's very scary for a guy who's not breaking out this year. I will tell you that. It's, uh, It's just a heater. That's what we love to call it. He's got eight power play points. That's good enough for half of his career high, which he's gotten only double digits a few times in his career. So he's not necessarily a power play killer, This guy also currently playing on the third line in Vegas. He's on power play one center, but there's a couple other names there. Jack Eichel at any time could step in between the dot. Chandler Stevenson at any time could step between the dot. If someone happens to come back like Shea Theodore, who's going to need to be placed on a power play. And um, this is a team where I just, this is a guy I think you can trade right now and you can convince a lot of people. Again, we're, we're telling you to attack the noobs, attack the people who, you know, who cares? Fantasy sports. Be be a savage. Um, you get it. but this is someone where I think you can convince them, you know, William Carlson's on the wagon. That is the Vegas Golden Knights. He is the power play one center. He did it a few years ago. He almost had a point per game. But something that's kind of hilarious is this guy really hasn't had much success in the last couple of seasons. He's only averaged 40 points, in, or I'm sorry, in the last four years, he's averaging just over 40, 43 points and 13 and a half goals. Uh, He's already, may I remind you, at 13 goals this year. So to say that it is a heater is an understatement. Obviously going to pass those totals of previous years, but um, things always come out. Things always average out. And that's what we're going to see happen here. Vegas, obviously, hot start. But it's someone that I think you might be looking to drop in maybe 20 20 games if he's not on that power play one. Because again, third line. So if you could trade him now for anyone who's gonna be locked in on their power play one anyone who might have a little bit more upside who's proven in the last couple of years that they can at least get more than 13 goals and 43 points i think that's the play and i think he has a lot of value right now um in uh, in one of our leagues d one that we play with brock he was actually in the top 100 player rankings so i kind of stood out to me here and i think a lot of people do tend to look at those and you know compare with stuff like that and if you can throw a guy who's in the top 100 at someone or someone who's underperforming, absolutely do it. Oh, did I mention his third line wingers are Paul Cotter and Michael Amadio? What are we doing here? <laughs> what are we doing? He's not a point-per-game player. I'm sorry. He's got great flow, but he is not an 80-point guy. Um, So yeah, so if I could move William Carlson, I would be doing that right away. I think you can enjoy what you've got out of him. You've probably got him as a free agent. Throw him to the wind. No, but um get a good deal out of it. But no, I, I do think... Um, maybe in compare, compar- not maybe, but in comparison to D's where it's Brock Besser, where you should be selective with your son. I think, well, you know, William Carlson, you can really afford to just kind of do whatever, sell yeah, whatever.
2: Like you say, get someone that you know is going to be productive the rest of the season. Uh, Paul Cotter, he might thoughts. be serviceable in banger leagues, but he's obviously not going to do a whole lot for the upside, um, of William Carlson. And, uh, yeah, I think the, the key that uh, you mentioned, um, that 43 goal season, he had that first year in Vegas, right. Where, um, he just seemingly could do no wrong. He was scoring through the legs, goals, all confidence was off the charts, and shot twenty three percent that year. Uh, and like you said, the shooting percentage just fallen off a cliff after that. And it's worth noting, like his usage, nowhere close to what it was um, that season when he was getting uh, that heavy role, that top top line with March so and Riley Smith. That, that that all just enjoying career seasons at the same time. So. Uh, yeah, I, I think you could probably convince someone that it's just you know he's back, he's repeating what he fi- finally repeating what he did in that first year in Vegas. When I agree with you, it really doesn't seem to be the case at all. I think he's been pretty fortunate. He's a good player for sure, but I you yeah. know I think the fact that that team is so much deeper now just makes the you know that outcome way more unlikely. And uh, I agree, someone that's uh, definitely worth shopping around right now.
0: Yeah, and and at this point, and and what we're looking at is realistically just we don't care about the last thirty, we care about the next fifty-two. Um, and that's kind of kind of what we're looking at here with William Carlson. And if uh and if you get twenty-five in the next fifty-two out of them, you don't even want that on your roster. So love to move it. But Brock, you also have someone who uh is nice and juicy, someone who's a little bit overperforming right now, someone you might want to move on with and uh and get some value for it. Well, the iron is hot. Who you
3: got, Brock? And my sell high is Ryan O'Reilly of the Nashville Predators. O'Reilly has been a great story this season. Uh, But he's a player that you can turn from a waiver wire pickup into a legit asset. I don't know if you're actually going to get a whole lot for Ryan O'Reilly straight up, but his numbers make him a perfect complementary piece to throw into a trade at the moment. He has 12 goals, 11 assists for 23 points in 29 games this season, but there are red flags. Firstly, he's shooting 17.4%, which is about 6% higher than his career average. Um, But he also has one of the highest percentage of secondary assists in In the entire NHL 73% of his helpers have been secondary assists which aren't usually a sign of future assists so just three primary helpers so far this season makes me a little bit nervous like I said he's been a great story I do think that the Predators will will continue to have some success in the second half of the season I think O'Reilly will be fine but I think you can really add him as a cherry on top of a trade and bring in a legitimate fantasy asset and now for the Betway bets of the day. If you're going to bet, you got to bet on Betway. Please play responsibly. Ontario only it must be 19 years of age or older. This evening, I really like the Carolina Hurricanes at -155. Um, this is already about 37 cents off the open, which is just insane. Um the Hurricanes are playing really well their last couple. They, they lost four in a row during a really tough road trip. They had a players-only meeting, and now they've had back-to-back dominant performances over the Senators and the Red Wings. This is still a team that's playing at an elite level, just we're really getting the goaltending they probably needed. And tonight their opponent, the Nashville Predators, have been really, really reliant on the power play so far this season. The Predators are 27th in the NHL in 5v5 goal scoring, and Carolina has been one of the best penalty kill units in the NHL, especially as of late. They have not given up a power play goal in their last seven games, killing off 20 straight penalties so i love the hurricanes my best bet of the day at minus 155 but i also like the san jose sharks at plus 171 Arizona has been absolutely murdered in their last two games. They will not have Sean Dersey in this game, and Nick Schmaltz is a game-time decision. They really only have one line doing anything right now, and that's their second line. The top line, Clayton Keller, Nick Schmaltz has not been the same, had not been able to generate quite as much without Barrett Hayton, and obviously if Schmaltz is unavailable for this game, that will make matters even worse. Meanwhile, the San Jose Sharks have been on fire on the power play, and the Arizona penalty kill is around league average. So, you know, I, I think that the market's probably a little high on Arizona given the heater they went on um, in the last couple of weeks. But a lot of those games they ran uh, really hot in terms of PDO, high shooting percentage, and also really good goaltending from Connor Ingram. That's probably largely unsustainable. So like I said, I think they're a little inflated in the market right now, and San Jose still not getting a ton of respect. So as the Coyotes kind of come back to earth, and they also have injuries starting to mount, I do not mind the San Jose Sharks at plus 171. And also, the Anaheim Ducks are kind of interesting in New York tonight. I'm not making them an absolute surefire bet right now, but it's a line that I'm going to continue
1: plushcare.com slash weight loss
3: to monitor throughout the day and if it gets up towards plus 270 plus 275 even plus 280 if it gets you know, carried away um, then I do think the ducks are a pretty solid bet there as well as massive underdogs in New York and that's it for the Betway bets of the day presented to you by Betway if you're going to place a bet, bet on Betway Ontario only must be 19 years of age or older Welcome back to
0: the second half of Season 9, Episode 24 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast. I'm Beebs coming back after the break. Just throw on your ears for a loop because you are usually going to get hit with D's sweet, sweet, sweet vocals after that. But now um, I'm just going to tee him up because Rock doesn't like to. So I want to throw you a nice juicy fat potato over the plate here. D, D, why don't you give us some weekend streamers? Tell us who to pick up. Tell me how to win my matchup this weekend. So I like doing that.
2: I will oblige. Uh, We got six games on Friday, 13 on Saturday, six games on Sunday. So as per usual, we're going to be looking at the skaters going on Friday and Sunday. uh, And then we'll look at two really premium options in goal uh, for Sunday that should be getting the starts on the tail end of back to back uh, and potentially swing your weekend, uh, swing your matchup over the weekend uh, with those goalie categories. So starting us off, uh, we got the Ducks there in New York on Friday and then in New Jersey on Sunday um, in New York being New York City playing the Rangers. So matchups obviously aren't the best, uh but obviously it's the opportunity that we care more about here on the streamer segment. Uh three names I want to mention really quickly here. Troy Terry, 36% owned, uh right wing eligible. Uh obviously his production's fallen off a cliff after Zegras and McTavish have left the lineup, but he's still shooting the puck a ton. Uh still getting all the right opportunities, like I said on that top power play unit as well. So in more shallow leagues, like I said, just 36% owned, I think Terry is a fine play this weekend um and you know the slates are a little bit busier than usual six games on friday six on sunday so there's a chance you might only be able to fit a defenseman in your lineup if that's the case i think pavel Mitnikov, uh on the ducks he's seen his ownership drop to 23 similarly his production's fallen off with all the injuries the ducks have had but still playing a lot of minutes uh, and getting a lot of offensive zone time and manning the uh, quarterback spot on that top power play unit so minyakov 23 percent owned, a good shout if you're looking for a defenseman uh, and then leo carlson is obviously a really good play the the threat with leo is that he might not play both games um they're obviously still taking a very cautious approach uh to his usage and his workload um as they kind of ease him into his first professional season still just 18 years old uh maybe 19 now but Either way, uh, 11% owned, uh, no back to back, obviously from them this weekend playing Friday and Sunday. Uh, but it is worth noting, I believe they play Sunday, Monday. So I wouldn't be shocked if he sat out the first half of that back to back on Sunday. So just something to keep in mind. Obviously the upside is there for the boxing day, baby. There you go. Still. There you go. So, uh, 12 days we can wish a happy birthday for Leo and he can buy himself a nice beverage next time the Ducks are in Canada. Uh, but moving on from the Ducks, we got the Hurricanes. They're hosting the Predators on Friday before hosting the Capitals on Sunday. So a couple of nice matchups there. Um, unfortunately, the Hurricanes, you know, like a lot of the good teams, you're not going to really find any of their major players on the waiver wire, um, especially in that top six. The one name that is widely available that's snuck up onto the first line lately is Stefan Nason. So I think he's a fine target in deeper leagues. I think he's got an assist already again tonight. Left wing, right wing eligible, just 5% owned. Uh, but yeah, skating with Aho and Jarvis on the first line, uh, on the second power play unit as well. And with that assist tonight, he's up to six points in his last eight games. So not a ton of usage there. But like I said, it's more for deeper leagues. I think Mason uh, could really work as a streaming target there. After that, we got the Ottawa Senators. They are in Dallas on Friday, in Vegas on Sunday. So again, a couple of tough matchups there. Um, obviously all their big boys, you're not really going to find even a Claude Giroux on the wire, uh, not going to find Tarasenko in most leagues and obviously not going to find a Kachuk or Stutzel, but who you will find is their first line center, as well as being on the top power play unit. Josh Norris, just 32% owned centering Kachuk and Giroux on that first line. And like I said, skating with the top power play unit as well. So Norris still kind of getting his legs under him, it seems, but he's looked better of late. Uh, and a fine option this weekend. And then in deeper leagues, you know, Matthew Joseph, right wing, 8% owned his upsides, taking a bit of a hit with him falling down to the third line, but he's still on that second power play unit, Uh, you know, respectable shot volume considering the usage. So I think in deeper leagues, a fine target there as well. Ah, Sorry, a little horse here. Uh, And then we got the sharks, uh, (laughs) (laughs) who we just seemingly have to talk about every week because they're always playing friday and sunday but that top line man is on a bit of a heater and just getting a ton of minutes right now so i actually think uh they're in arizona which you know it's never fun playing at the mullet and then in colorado so i mean tough matches for the sharks but all of them are when you're the sharks uh hurdle 51 percent owned grandlin uh center right wing eligible 46 percent owned so they've shot up lately because they've been on such a heater and I, i still think they're viable options despite the tough matchups uh, and like they're I said, only 28 games, minutes, too. both James. are yeah, playing just a ridiculous amount of minutes, like consistently between 20 and 25 minutes. And like beep said, even as high as 28 minutes, uh, oh. within the last six or seven games. So, uh, a couple of names that are, you know, nothing to scoff at, uh, <laughs> as funny as it is to think about roster a couple of sharks over the weekend, given those two matchups. Uh, and then in deeper leagues, again, I'm, I'm going to probably lean, to some of the names I've already mentioned, probably Stefan Nason would be above these two guys, but William Eklund, center left wing 5% owned and uh, Fabian Zetterlin again, back to back weeks, Zetterlin's getting a shout out, uh, left wing 5% owned, solid options in deeper leagues. So the matchups do obviously lower the upside. Uh, and again, got to mention it as always uh, for leagues that account for plus minus, obviously playing the sharks in these kind of matchups on the road, is going to carry a pretty big risk there. And then we got the Golden Knights finally wrapping us up. As far as the skaters are concerned, they are hosting the Sabres on Friday, hosting the Senators on Sunday. So really a pair of nice matchups there for the Golden Knights. Again, you're not going to find any of their premium players below 50% ownership, but Ivan Barbashev, center left wing eligible, 40% owned, and Chandler Stevenson center, 23% owned. Both viable options this weekend if they are out there in your league. Barbashev playing on the first line with Eichel and Stone at 5v5, while Stevenson is centering Howden and Marchessault so online two, both playing on the second power play unit. And then finally, we got what I'm calling our Sunday Saviors in goal. We should have a pair of really nice spot starts here, uh, widely available on the wire. Beebs's avalanche are in Winnipeg on Saturday before hosting the Sharks, as I said earlier on Sunday. So Ivan Prosvitov, 13% owned, should get another really nice spot oh. start here. Uh, he's going to be a massive favorite to pick up the win over the Sharks, even on the tail end of the back-to-back. With Prosvitov and Net, I would expect Colorado to be something like minus 300 at least to win that game at home. So yeah, going to be a really, really nice option there. You know, obviously carries a little bit more risk to your splits, uh, but a really, really safe bet to pick up the win for you on Sunday. Actually and been then, better than Gorgiev lately, surprisingly, for that. Yeah, team, which that is true. Is He's insane. getting more than just the odd uh, start on the tail end of a back-to-back lately as well. So he quote-unquote
0: earned his last start. So that's... uh, you
2: love, you, <laughs> Did that's he earn it or say. did Gorgiev just... Hand it discern it. Yeah, yeah exactly. That, that's that's probably a good point. Uh and then finally we got the Canucks. They are in Minnesota on Saturday and then hosting the or sorry in Chicago on Sunday. Uh so Casey DeSmith getting some more love here. <laughs> Excuse me, 9% own. Uh another excellent spot start option on Sunday. He should be heavily, heavily favored to pick up that road win in Chicago. Uh and DeSmith's actually been pretty solid when given the chance this year. That's kind of his MO, right? He's not gonna win you a game, but he's uh usually not gonna cost you the game either. So uh I think the safe percentage is at 913 on the season for him so I think the Smith probably offers a little bit more safety there in terms of the splits and he probably might pick between the two but you really can't go wrong with either of these guys uh and if you have the room I'd be looking to pick them up as soon as uh I would expect Georgiev to be confirmed uh, for winnipeg on saturday and the same uh same thing with demco for minnesota on saturday just makes a lot of sense to roll with your starters on the first end of these back-to-backs that's you know common practice as is but when you consider the, the strength of the opponents in each matchups really looks like it's going to be prospytov and smith on sunday so as soon as those starters get confirmed on saturday i'd be looking to make room on my rosters for these guys if i at all need the push and net to win my matchup because uh yeah it's about as good as it gets that they could be very well that one and two goalies on the slate as a whole let alone goalies that are going to be widely available uh to pick up and spot start on sunday
0: yeah these are the little things that honestly can win you weeks as someone who was beat last week by one of these suggested streamers on a sunday um it burns and it stings so i'd rather be on the other side of it and uh and and you know uh Get get the right goalie, and I think you're spot on with the Saturday option. If you see those guys go regularly, people are not that far ahead of the curve that they'll jump on. Who's going to play on the back to back? But now that you know who's going. Jump into that. But it's been a very very beebs and D heavy show, and we are uh, we we're happy with that, and we hope you are too. Um, and we're gonna send you guys off next week. We should have Brock back with us. We should be returning to our regular wednesday episodes and should have our morning reports coming out as well so uh a lot of dfo fantasy podcasts coming back to you and uh we do apologize for the last couple weeks um life happens but we're back and it is time to win over the holidays so we will see you very soon peace